Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 92 of ADHD for Smartass Women. If you're a regular listener, you know that I chatted with three women last week that had just completed my six-step system called Your ADHD Brain is A-OK. This is the program that I built off of my patented cartography system to show ADHD women how to fall in love with their ADHD brains and figure out what they're meant to do with their life. We call it AOK for short. ADHD is completely misnamed. We don't have a deficit of attention. We actually have a surplus of attention. We are interested in so much, which often means that we struggle with trying to figure out which of the many interests that we do have is actually the one that we should pursue. What AOK does is work from the inside out. Most systems, coaching programs, personality tests, think of the Meyer Briggs or Sally Hogshead's Fascinate test, the Enneagram. You have a list of categories or types, and then you figure out which one you fit into best, right? With AOK, we do something different. We work from the inside out. There's no place to fit in because I believe you were meant to stand out and that the problem is you have lived your entire life constantly trying to fit into systems, structures, roles, and careers that don't work for you. With AOK, we are going to figure out who you are, what's important to you, what do you value? What are your strengths, passions, superpowers, and purpose? And then you build your life around that. So anyway, I just opened up our new six-week AOK program this week. You'll have until this Friday to sign up. And we'll be starting next week on Wednesday, October 14th. You can get more information on AOK at tracyoutsuka.com forward slash AOK. And if you're looking for more information about the foundational elements of the AOK system, you can check out episode 76 of this podcast where I talk all about it. And I'll put the link to that episode and to information on AOK in our show notes. And that's at tracyotsuka.com 
forward slash podcast. So anyway, I digressed a bit. I interviewed four AOK students for last week's podcast with plans to cut and paste these four interviews into one podcast. But I decided to hold one of the interviews back and use it instead in a full podcast episode. This guest and former AOK student needed to have her own episode. She talks about trauma. She talks about never fitting in. She talks about giving up. She talks about thinking it was too late for her because she was too old. She also talks about AOK and ultimately falling in love with her ADHD brain. I love this episode and I adore this brilliant, incredibly special human. And I know you will too. So here we go. I'd like to introduce you to Isabel Baker, who is joining us from Lakeland, Florida. With over 25 years of business development, C-suite partnerships, and enterprise training, Isabel is now her own CEO. Today, she combines her professional experiences along with her love of problem solving, listening to understand, and relentlessness to serve her clients whom she loves to see succeed. Some of her best successes are personal, though. She is passionate about helping children in the foster care system and looks forward to being a coach to those who age out. Her best icebreakers include knowing how to catch baby alligators by hand. I wonder how the mommy alligators feel. (laughs) They're not around though, right, Isabel? No, you hope they aren't. <laughs> yeah. Don't they like lay eggs and the babies just go and go yeah, on their own? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. You don't want the mom to know you're doing it though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Accidentally walking into a biker party and almost having to get a tattoo to leave and traveling first class throughout high school, working as a nanny for a multimillionaire. Her new love and appreciation of her ADHD gifts is something she loves to talk about now. Anywhere, anytime. And Isabel, that is my favorite part of your bio. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tracy. I'm really happy Did I to miss be here. Anything? No, you're, this is great. I'm happy to be able to talk about it. Great. Well, thank you. So let's start by talking about ADHD first. So, can you tell me when you were diagnosed? Well, I have to say I've not been formally diagnosed in the sense of going in and taking all the, you know, tests. What happened was about eight years ago, a young person in my family had to go through a lot of testing and she ended up getting referred to an ADHD specialist. And that is where her father showed me her results. And we both were just like, and I've known him my whole life. We're cousins. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is you. And I was like, yes, it is. And then I asked a friend of mine who specializes in this, who's a psychologist. I said, I guess I need to take the test. And she just kind of laughed. She said, absolutely, you can do it if you want. But she said, I've known you have ADHD for years. Didn't you know that? And so I was like, no, not at all. And so between talking with her a bit and then reading some things, I realized I had it at that point. But I didn't understand it. You didn't understand it yet. Okay. So before we go into that, tell me what were your symptoms? Like, did you have symptoms? Like, do you remember as a child? Yes, I do. And these were, I have to say, I want to add into this that I have, uh, I love my family. They love me, but I am not like them. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) And so they're all opposite of this. So for my whole life, They've, you know, called me a daydreamer. 
a quitter at times. I said, you know, my mom, I remember very early on, she said to me, never finish anything, which she was right, unless I loved it. I've been told I was too emotional, um, that I, I was lazy sometimes, not too smart. I couldn't sit still. So those were reflections of my symptoms, which I don't call symptoms anymore, but that's what they were. Got it. And so did you struggle in school? I did. I struggled terribly. I repeated the 10th grade. Now, part of that is because I wanted to go live with this very wealthy family. And I just repeated the 10th grade because when I went to test with them, I was like, oh my gosh. But I've always struggled. And when I, I finally learned, though, later in life, that if I can stand up, I can learn anything. Sitting in a chair is what I could not do. Oh, okay. So what you just said is if you stand up, you can learn anything? I can. When I need to learn anything, I stand up, walk around in the room and talk to myself, hold my papers, listen, whatever. I can take in information faster than most people, but I cannot do it sitting down. That is incredible. Yet in school, you were required to sit down. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And I was, I used to get spankings. It was back in the day. I'm 59. They would take you in the back and spank you with the board because I wouldn't wait, sit wait, in my wait. chair. Teachers would do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I wouldn't sit down. I couldn't stand in my seat. Oh, that's terrible. I mean, I just think of the trauma of that. Yeah, it wasn't, a, it was not, it wasn't helpful, but, you know, I just try to think of the other side of everything and they had no training. They didn't know what to do. I was just supposed to stay in my seat and I was disrupting the class. Were you actually disruptive? So, you know, a lot of women are inattentive. Do you think you're combined type hyperactive and inattentive? I think I am, but my niece, who's the one that was diagnosed, she's really hyper. So it's hard for me to say I'm hyper when I think of her. But I think I am. I think I am that. And I always sit in the back. <laughs> so I don't think I was really bothering people, but I just wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I went to stay in my seat. And so what about homework? Was homework a problem too? Terrible problem. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And so at the time when you were going through this, you really truly believed, I'm just not smart. Or did a part of you think, I know I'm smart. Why can't I do this? Uh, no, probably for me, and I, I want to put this in here somewhere because I think it would speak to someone. I really believe something was terribly wrong with me, and I did have a lot of shame because I grew up in a very poor environment. I was abused, and I went through trauma, and I was very neglected, which I think is the worst part of the whole thing. So that combined with the ADHD just left me feeling very, you know, ostracized. So I really did think it was all me. Especially when no one in your family is like you. Correct. Not at all. And they pointed it out. I was very unusual. They didn't like it when I was smarter than them. Is it if they would say something and an adult would say something and I would challenge them? And I wasn't like an obnoxious kid, but I would be like, well, I don't understand. What, blah, blah. If I was bringing something up that made them uncomfortable, then it was, you know, not good. And I, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it doesn't come out. So. so with hindsight now, was there anyone in your family, you know, a parent or sibling or I mean, obviously there was a cousin with ADHD, mm -hmm. but did you see it anywhere else like in your immediate family now with hindsight? 
possibly my father, but I'm not sure. My dad and I were very close, but we were separated when I was young, uh, mostly by the court system. So I didn't get a lot of time with him when I was young. But he and I became very close as when I was older. We could get to each other. And I think he may have had that. But otherwise, no, not at all. So you always felt different always. than others. Always. Did you also struggle with social problems? Very much. Very much, yeah. I think part of the environment that I was living in made me very awkward and uncomfortable, you know, because I was being traumatized and I was not being nurtured and I wasn't being raised. So I, I probably, you know, I didn't look, I, I looked like an outlier in some ways and probably behaved that way. But I also was just all these different symptoms as, you know, that I, you could, I could have called them then. They were, there were many, you know, I had many, and the daydreaming was big for me. I was always creating things and drawing things and designing buildings and fixing news problems. I saw there things I saw in the news. It was just all in my head. So I was look, probably looked, you know, like I was a daydreamer. So I didn't fit in. I got bullied. I got beat up. I just was not, you know, I just, I just was struggling, very much struggling. Oh. I'm so sorry, Isabel. I'm sorry about the trauma. Gosh, because, you know, part of it too with ADHD is it's really hard to separate, okay, what part of these ADHD-like symptoms are trauma and what part is actually ADHD? And with you, it sounds like it was both. Well, and, and my friend that I talked to, she said there's, you know, some question about which came first in some ways. But she said you can't, you know, she doesn't believe you just create ADHD. She said she thinks you make it worse. Uh-huh. And right. she said, you know, so she said your symptoms, she said, have you been in a perfect family or whatever that is, but, you know, something healthy, she said, probably they wouldn't have been so bad. And I would completely agree with that yeah. just from what I've seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you graduated high school and what happened next? I kind of, I still kind of floundered. I, I was working for this family that I that you mentioned, and they divorced and they had issues going on. So I kind of went off and I had a full scholarship at a college, and I tried to do that. I had gotten to where I was better at school, and so I can make the grades. And I, I went in, studied for my SAT one time, and did terrible. Just did horrible. The second time I decided not to study at all. <laughs> and I did great. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, it was funny. So that's what got me into college. And so I just, I went for a while, but um, I had lost my brother in an accident and it just coincided with that whole thing of going into college. So I didn't have any skill sets. I didn't have any understanding and I just left school. I couldn't do it. So then I just started working and just started working my way through uh, different, you know, companies and doing my, doing my thing. And was that easier for you? Um, I think it was because I always ended up, no matter where I worked, it was almost all in big corporate environments. I always got picked by the CEO or an EVP to kind of be like the fixer or the problem solver 
or they would start a job for me that didn't exist to manage people or to do training. So I've been very fortunate that the people that I've worked around, the majority of them have seen, maybe they haven't understood exactly how I did things, but they gave me special projects and I would really excel at that. And I think part of it's because a lot of those projects had a beginning and an end, which is my, that's my thing. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, I think that's most of our wheelhouses with an yeah. ADHD brain, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need to see the end coming and then I have all the energy I need. I love that. And I love the term fixer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've been calling myself a fixer for a long time. So that's what no, I do. That's totally great. So... Did you say it was about 10 years ago that your cousin came to you and said, oh, my God, Isabel, this is you. And then you talked to your friend, the psychologist. Yeah, is that about it was about eight, eight or 10 years. I'd have to sit down and think about it. But yeah, but eight or 10 years ago. Right. So what happened when your cousin came to you and you started reading about it? You talked to your friend who's the psychologist mm-hmm. and you I mean, at first, were you like, no, or this is totally me? So I knew it was me and I knew that it defined me. But I, I want to say that, that all it did for me was define what was wrong with me. That's how I walked away from that. Okay, these are the things that make me broken. Mm. And these are all the skill sets that I've learned to hide, to cover it up, or to present it in a way that's not what it really looks like. So you wouldn't tell anybody about it? Oh, no. I never talked about my ADHD with anybody ever again until I took your course. So you were ashamed of it? Oh, very much. I've had, yes. I, I, I would want to say this, especially to women my age. I think I said I'm 59. The shame has been a companion my whole life. I've not understood the ADHD, so I haven't, and I especially didn't understand it until I went through your course, how, how much beauty there is in it and how much life there is in it and how much permission there is in this. I didn't know that. And so I just said, okay, I have a broken personality and I'm really good at navigating. Well, maybe not really good, but I can navigate this. So you felt like you were broken, but you were really good at just kind of navigating through it and, and making people not think that, you know, it was there and that it was even a problem or you were, you just didn't talk about it. Right. Like, I, I mean, a great, a great example is not being able to sit still. That doesn't look in a corporate environment. You have to sit at a big old table next to the CEO. You have to be moving. So I was always the one doing the recordings, fixing the problems, fixing someone's computer, running outside to do something. And I could still take in all the whole meeting, but I, I would navigate that way. And I would go into a room and think, what in here needs to be handled? What can I do? And it put a lot of extra work on me, but it also didn't show anybody that I had that can't be still issue. So you turned into the fixer. Yeah. To kind of protect yourself against anybody, you know, just just yeah. being able to. That was your workaround, basically. It, it was one of them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up AOK. Now, I'm just so delighted that I've had the privilege get to know you, Isabel, because you are an amazing human with a brilliant brain. So thank you so much for that. I would like to know, why did you sign up for AOK? That is a great question. Um, I signed up for it because I heard about you. I heard about what you were doing. And I thought, 
I'm going to take this course. If I don't take it now, when would I ever take it? And I'm going to take it now. And I'm going to find out more about how to deal with my brokenness. I didn't take the class because even though you talked about how empowering it was going to be and how great it was going to be, I still lived out of, okay, I'm sure Tracy's right. And she's very educated. She's very intelligent. But that's for those other people. That's not going to work for me. But if I go through this, I'll at least learn how to at least know more about it because I always feel like understanding is an empowering thing. And I thought I can just understand this a little bit more. Maybe I can navigate the rest of my life even better than I'm doing now by coping. So I didn't come in going, oh, I can't wait. Wow. Okay. So was there anything that you were worried or concerned about when you started or even before that when you signed up or were thinking about signing up? I think mostly I was just, I knew that I was going to have to cope with maybe feeling my shame or looking at my, again, I I hate to repeat myself, but this is really how it was, is just, uh, okay, I've had a lot of counseling, so things don't, even if something triggers me, I manage it very well. So I was like, I'm sure I'm going to get some, I'm sure I'm going to get triggered a little, and this is going to be probably not too pleasant in some ways, but I'm going to learn some things when I get out of here, I'll have more tools. And so I just was worried a little bit about, I needed, I needed enough time to manage myself, to take care of myself a little better while I was going through it. Got it. And so what happened? Everything opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Everything opposite. When I say this was an amazing experience, I just mean like when you go down the flume ride at Bush Gardens in Florida and the sun shines on you and the water splashes on you, or when you run through, you know, a field or you ride your bicycle too fast, you just, it was amazing. I did not expect anything that happened. I found out that all these things that I had been identified with or labeled with were the the wrong side of really good things, you know? So I daydreamed because I was creative or I looked lazy because I was so involved in thinking and, you know, people said I was quitting. Well, part of it was their quality of the work that they were giving me, you know, was not engaging. I just found that everything that had felt that I felt ashamed of was actually awesome. (laughs) If I looked at it from the other side. And that really stunned me. I mean, I cried through this course, but except for one time when I was just like a bit overwhelmed uh, and you were talking through it right away. But other than that, I felt very emotional, but it was all like relief and sloughing off things and seeing things in a different way. I could not talk enough about this course. It is amazing. Oh, I'm so grateful, Tracy. I'm so grateful for it. Thank you. So tell us, you kind of alluded to it. What was hard for you in um, AOK? Yeah. Okay. So at the, you, you have this highly organized, and you say it the first, the very beginning, trust the process, trust it, just keep going, don't stop. And so because I already respected you, I hung on to that. But the first thing I did was the values. That's the, isn't that the first thing? Yeah. And the values are like 100 and 
80 things you can check off and and I have like all the values. I wanted them all, which as you said was normal. But I learned that some of the values I had um, brought on board from people that I didn't need or want. So that, that took my breath away and it really, it disappointed me at first, but then you, you worked us through the process where we, we learned our own values. And real quick, one of the values I've always had is I don't own a lot of things. I'm, I'm not a person who carries a lot with me. I've had a home and all, you know, all the furniture and everything, but I've let that stuff go easily and made changes in my life. And I realized it was because when I was young, things were taken from me. And I said to myself, I'm never going to own anything that somebody can take from me again. I'm not going to give you that power. So I carried that in my life of, oh, I can let things go easily. When I went through this course, I realized I checked that off as a value. And then I was like, that is not my value. I don't mind not owning things, but I don't value that. That's not something that's super important to me. Either way is fine. So that at the beginning was, was the values kind of took my breath away at some point, but I did not stop. I was not going to stop. So what is different now as a result of going through the AOK system for you? Hmm. So much, so much. Um, I have no shame in having ADHD. Oh, I love that. I have no shame in it. Are I you have, proud of it? I, I have to tell you, you took the words out of my mouth. I am proud of it because it is a gift. It is a gift. And I don't, I'm not saying that to soften something. I'm saying it because it is absolutely true. It is how I help people. It is how I make people feel comfortable. It is how I create things. It's how I learn. I mean, it is how I, and I think so quickly, I think ahead of people a lot of times. And when I speak, I'm ahead of them. They're like, what? And it used to be that I was like, people would say, you're butting in or you're not paying attention. No, no, I think quickly, but that I'm now, I've now, I've been learning anyway, how to harness that. But everything that I thought was bad I've learned how to see it in a really positive way. It has changed my life. Honestly, I've always dealt with depression in my life. It's just been, you know, something I've had. It's a big part of that has lifted. And I completely credit it to the way that I came to understand myself in your course. And I can't overemphasize how important it is for any woman who has ADHD to give themselves the time and invest in themselves to try to go through this course. It's just amazing. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. You know, the fact about the depression lifting. Oh, and yeah. I think for so many women, they don't even know they have ADHD. Right. But first diagnosis for women is always depression and anxiety. Yeah. And in so many cases, the depression and anxiety is because of the ADHD. So if right. you work on the ADHD and you're not even on medication for it, right? No, I'm not. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I mean, that's just a piece of it. There are right. so many things. And for some of us like me, it doesn't work anyway, so I can't use right. it. But that's just a piece of the whole puzzle. You know, there are so many other workarounds and I really believe 
that the first one is understanding how your brain works and learning how to appreciate the strengths that it has. Oh, yeah, it is. I wish that your program was a program that counselors would use or recommend, that therapists would recommend to women who have this because it propels you. It just, I don't know, there's just something beautiful about it. And it's partly because you're doing your own work. And so you're in charge of your own work and your discoveries come through you. But the way that you've set this, like it's a, literally a map and you're following this, you're following this trail. I almost felt like it was a scavenger hunt, you know, you just, is. yeah, you're just going from point to point and who knew that I had superpowers or a passion or a purpose? A lot of my purposes felt like survival. And I look at this little, for anyone who hasn't taken her course yet, you end up with this report. It's one page and you create it and it's easy to create. <laughs> and it's just, it's so, um, I, I wish I could think of the right word. It just fills you up. You just feel you feel like you are where you're supposed to be and you get to be who you want to be because now you understand the confusion. Who you are, right? Yeah. It's so simple, but it's so beautiful. So I have my report and it hangs up on my desk and it hangs up on the wall in my bathroom. So I look at it in the morning or at, at night. It's just hanging there. And I had purposed when I finished this course a few months ago to go back through it in October because there were a couple of things I think that I'll probably fine tune, but it's just beautiful. I'm so grateful, Tracy. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for all your kind words and for allowing me to work with you. But I'm not going to let you go just yet because I have my typical, you know, ADHD questions at the sure, end. Sure, absolutely. What of the ADHD traits that you believe that you possess, do you feel are responsible for your success? Like what you do well? Hmm. Um, I think that my ability to connect to people and to understand people really is very empowering in my life and in theirs, whoever it is. I think it's a blessing to know and understand people and to be known and understood. And so my abilities to listen, to observe people, uh, to feel empathy helps me help them. And that really juices me. I love to do that. Isabel, do you feel like you have interpersonal intuition, just that, like you can walk into a room and you can just feel what's going on? Yes, I do. And I, I can pick out the person that's, I can pick out the stressed people, the happy people. One of my friends is a gambler, a pretty good gambler. And she said to me, you, you should gamble. You can read tells. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you can read what? Tells. And I, that's what I said. What? And she said, tells, they're like little things that you pick up on people. Like if they always move their hand to the right when they're not telling the truth or they always look to the left if they're uh, not telling the truth or if they're nervous or happy, you know, I can pick up on these things. So, ah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a little, it, it will sometimes overwhelm me and it'll make me a little tired. Sometimes I'm introverted too. So I have had to learn how to balance that, you know, okay, that's enough. And I leave or whatever. So. Yeah. 
So what do you think the key to living successfully within a nonlinear brain is? I think balance. I think first knowing yourself. Well, first of all, take the class. Take the class. <laughs> I didn't set her up for this, I swear. Yeah. No, I know you didn't. You didn't. You've never asked me to say anything but about that. But taking the class is the biggest gift a person can give. It's, you know, a couple of dresses or a couple of nice dinners or some good shoes or I don't know. But it's just, it's worth every single penny. So take the class. Then you'll understand yourself. When you understand yourself, you can navigate your life with a lot more beauty and understanding, and you can get that balance, which I need and everybody I think with ADHD needs. So I just referenced that about being in a room with people. If I'm overwhelmed, I kind of check out. And when I start to check out, I know I need to leave. I need to go do something to feed myself, my soul, you know. And if I'm starting to check out, I know that. I need to change my environment or my state. You know, I've got to do something to be more engaged. So it's a balance for me. And also, I have to be careful not to use my ADHD as an excuse. I mean, I do have to finish things. I do have to show up. I do have to do things I don't want to do. You know, there is that. You do have to have, you know, regular old boring life too. (laughs) Unfortunately, we do, right? It it can't all be the flume ride, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your number one workaround? Well, it's been for, you know, most of my life not knowing it was, was being outside. And I'm not like an athlete or anything, but I like to be outside. I like to look at the sky and I like to listen and see what's going on in nature. So I'm not going to sleep in a tent. I'm almost, almost, you know, I don't want to do that, but I just like to be outside. And that sort of resets my true north, like for my feelings, because I have so much anxiety too. It just does definitely relax me. But my real workarounds are this tripod that somebody just recommended to me. (laughs) And that is using my Apple Watch with Google Calendar and the Bear app. Thank you for recommending that, Tracy. Oh, I'm the tribe. I'm the winner. Yes, you are. Those three things have been incredible because what I still struggle with is losing ideas or losing commitments, things that I need to do or take care of. And just to be able to speak it into my watch to my Bear app. And the Bear app is so beautiful and easy to look at and it's not confusing it's just calming honestly bear is like just gonna it's like having a a seat by a pretty window and then google the google calendar to just put everything on my calendar and that is i'm not perfect yet but i'm so grateful also that you recommended that because it's just exponentially improved my life the course and then this I'm just so grateful I haven't had anybody so profoundly impact my life as you have in a long time and I'm really grateful really and I would just invite anybody listening who's struggling with ADHD any women especially if you are you know older you're in your 40s and 50s you have only good things to get out of this Well, Isabel, thank you so much for your Mm -hmm. kind words, for spending time with us here today. So if someone wants to find you, maybe they want to ask you a question, is there some way that they could do that? 
Well, I am waiting to launch my VA business, even though I'm doing that work. So I don't have a website yet, but I have an email if anybody wanted to email me. It's very simple. It's a Gmail account. It's Isabel Media. And that's just my first name, I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E, media, M-E-D-I-A, at gmail.com. At Mm gmail.com. And so what is this VA business going to be? Like what kinds of VAs? It's it's going to start with me, and I already provide services to entrepreneurs and small businesses, just helping them on all kinds of things. I haven't really settled on exactly what my specialties are going to be, which I kind of mm-hmm. need to do. But what's fun right now is I'm doing all kinds of things. So helping somebody write their newsletter and helping somebody figure out how to write their own story, their own autobiography, some social media. All kinds of stuff. Just, I mean, I'm very open. I just like, I love, because I love to help people get over their speed bump, you know, when they're doing something and they're stuck, I'm really good at seeing why they're stuck and helping them over that. And that, what did you call that? A C bump? No, a speed bump. Like you're oh, driving. Speed bump. Yeah. You know, people get to I a speed bump. Like C-suite, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> but it could be a C bump. I don't know. But maybe we're making up a new word. Maybe, but, but like people approach a speed bump and they slow way down, you know, when you're working or they go the way, right? or they're like, yeah, can I get over this? Ooh. So I like just empowering people to get over it and seeing them on their way. I like that. So. Well, thank you again so much, Isabel. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you very much. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Isabel, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really do help in that regard. If you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyotsuka.com. Leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyotsuka.com. That's my email. And if you'd like more information on our six-week program, Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, you can find it at tracyotsuka.com forward slash A-OK. Again, You can sign up right now and until this Friday, October 9th, and we will begin next Wednesday, October 14th. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyotsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.